This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We've got to stop us. They're going to kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they a government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. When the operation of the machine becomes so obvious, makes you so sick at heart. You can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the day to the people who run it, to the people who own it. That unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Welcome to Crip Ricks I've Been Thinking. What's this show all about? Well, it's all in the title. He enjoys interviewing people about issues that he finds interesting and which cause him to sit back and think. Cryptocurrency, true crime, natural law, the occult. No topic is off limits here. He has always enjoyed when people give their points of view or thoughts on different topics that they have researched. And what makes it all great is that it's their unique take on what is being discussed. For that reason alone, it makes it interesting to him. So take that walk down to his crypt. Make yourself comfortable. And just maybe, he will be discussing a topic that you have been thinking about. Here's your host, Crypt Rick. Well, welcome everybody. We are back. Another episode of Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking and I want to just welcome everybody. Thank you for taking the time to come again. You know, come and listen once again, I should say. And, you know, another cold night here in Canada. Let me tell you, it is definitely some cold stuff going on there. So for all the truckers out there and the, you know, the people out there in Ottawa and all around doing their, uh, you know, doing their peaceful protests and that, I feel for them. Because it is super cold out there tonight, so uh, I can't wait for spring, guys. I really can't. I mean, I'm not – everybody says because I'm Canadian, I should love the winter and I should be used to it. I can speak for a lot of Canadians. Yeah, we may live in somewhere where it's cold, but it doesn't mean we have to like it. It is brutally cold right now. So just, you know, trying to stay warm and uh, glad to be here once again. I always enjoy coming and chatting with uh, you guys and 
seeing you guys are saying in the chat and having a great time. Just to let everybody know, I have to say, I, begin, I say this at the beginning of every show. You guys know it is listener supported. You guys that listen are what make this all work. You know what I mean? And as I always say, we are definitely losing uh, our freedom. We're being censored on all the other platforms. And I mean, I know that personally now because I've had a, I did a great uh, interview with Russ Tanner. We were talking about uh, geoengineering and mercury and stuff like that. And it didn't even make it to uh, out of the premiere. I set it for a premiere, and then within a few hours, they pulled it down and flagged it as all kinds of, you know, saying it was all these different flags, and they wouldn't even let me premiere it. So it's definitely important to support uh, this station, and you know, because it's it's you can at least come here and say what's on your mind, and it's you know you're not being censored and that. So you know, it's important to protect that. So definitely, please donate if you can. Every little bit helps. Every little bit. And so just head up to the donate uh, donation. It's up in the uh, corner tab, and it'll walk you through. You can become a Patreon and all kinds of things and just show your support and make sure that you can let all of us host, you know, bring you a lot of different content pretty much 24-7. So to me, it's worth supporting, and it's for a great cause. And it's a way to fight back with all the censorship. So that's the way I look at it. And anytime we can do that, that's a good thing because I'm telling you, it's getting harder and harder to get the truth out there. So... Just wanted to let you guys know that. But enough. I just wanted to let you know I got a great guest on this evening, uh, somebody that does a lot of different investigations. And I first came across my guest. Um, he was covering the David Crowley case, which a lot of people know that I definitely look into. I've interviewed people on this, and then uh, he's done a lot of great stuff, even on the David Crowley case, creating a timeline that is, you know, proving that David Crowley did not do these uh, crimes that they're saying. He did not murder his wife or his child and kill himself. And then I found out by looking at his channel that he's he covers a lot of other things, too. Like, it's incredible the amount of investigating this this guy does. He's covered, uh, like, JFK. He's covered William Cooper, the Vegas shootings, the Zodiac Killer. He's uh, done some stuff on the mystery schools. And just amazing stuff. So I thought he'd be a great person to get on here and have a chat. We can talk about a lot of different things. Like I've been looking into the Zodiac Killer a lot, and uh, I definitely looked into JFK at one time. So I thought this would be a great guest to get on here. So and going to go ahead and go ahead there, William. You can unmute yourself. And then so I can introduce you. There you are. I was like, why is he not talking? Perfect. How are you doing today, Will? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Rick? Perfect. I'm great. Thanks for being here. This is William Rail from Strange Investigations. You can find him on Twitch, and I'll also let uh, him at the end tell you guys where you can find him. But that's how I found him, too, was I, I watch his Twitch show. Very interesting stuff. And you do cover a lot of stuff on your channel. Well, it's really actually pretty cool, all the stuff that you do cover. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, uh, I try to go and cover all the bases I possibly can. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and you do, like great uh deep dives in the stuff and that and start looking at all and you present all the evidence and kind of uh walk people through a lot of stuff so i mean i don't even know where to start like basically with you because i mean when we were talking just before we came on the air which you guys should know was a weird thing to get will here on the show like i have him as a friend on my skype i have him added on my favorites and everything and every time i tried to add him into this show it, he doesn't show up on my list for some reason so we did work it out though. We figured it out. We got, we, you know, we finally got on here. But I was getting worried because it was getting down to crunch time, and I couldn't get him. I couldn't get him connected with me. I was like, I don't know, like, what am I? It's really weird. So maybe I can ask some of the other people that have done this for a lot longer than I have what's going on. 
but he just didn't show up on my list, even though I've added him as a favorite, everything. So I find that really strange. But we're here. We figured it out, Will. We're good. Yes, we did. <laughs> exactly. So what I wanted to ask you about was we were talking about the JFK case before we actually came on to the show here. And I mean, like, I looked into the JFK's, uh, JFK case a lot when I uh, first started researching stuff. And I think everybody's probably seen the movie JFK. Uh, with Kevin Cosner and how they, you know, break that all down. And so, but you were kind of talking about some other parts of that that I never even heard about, which had to do with Nazis and stuff like that. So why don't you let us know uh, how you got into the JFK case and some of the stuff that you found out about that case? Well, JFK, I mean, it's been like one of those big, you know, conspiracy theories, right? It was an assassination of one of our great presidents, you know, we had. Right. And, you know, it's... It was it was a sad time. My dad talked about it a lot when I was growing up. Um, it affected him. Uh, my aunt talked about it a lot. So I got to hear a lot about it growing up. And eventually I just decided, you know, not too long ago, hey, let's go ahead and let's go and look at this again. You know, when the, the documents uh, came out um, through President Trump, we dropped all that. I was deep diving that hard. Um, I've gone through pretty much every single one of those files now. I can tell you right now it is it is bizarre. You know, they confirm a lot of, uh, a lot of the different theories. Um, right. They don't, I mean, you can see where they go, right? You see it funneled in, but you see the Nazi connections through it, uh, through the Bush family. Um, you see the mob connections into it also through Bush. Uh, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's, it's a huge trip. Yeah, like it's definitely, and see, like I was saying, I always just saw the movie, right? And I did, I mean, I have looked at other stuff too about the case, which I definitely, I mean, never thought that Oswald was a lone gunman or anything like that. I never, I just, I never bought that story. And so I started definitely looking into it. I watched a lot of documentaries on YouTube and stuff like that where, you know, you have some, there's always two sides, right? You have some people saying that he, you know, it is, it did happen the way that it did. And then you got people saying that it didn't happen the way it did. It's like that with every case pretty much, I think, unless it's so cut and dry that there isn't that side. But, um, yeah, it was definitely when you brought up the Nazi thing, I was like, I never heard that before. They definitely didn't sh cover that in the movie. Um, from what I saw, they were mostly talking about a lot of the Cuban stuff that was going on and that. So when you brought that up to me, I was kind of shocked. I was like, I never heard that before. And I, I don't even think I ever heard anything about that in the documentaries that I've seen. So with that, you'd actually have to go over all the documents that they had uh, that they released um, okay. to President Trump. And they they mentioned some things here. Um, I don't remember the exact phrases um, that really sparked my interest. But I if I find something, I don't um, I don't understand what it is. Uh, I don't understand what it means. I look it up. You know, I do my due diligence on it. it'll even come down to if I don't know what a word is, I will look it up. It's it's that's that's roughly why I end up finding it. Is because they found some stuff here. I'm like, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. So I look it up, and I'm like, wait, there's a rabbit hole here. And you start pulling the rabbit hole, and it's like, oh, Nazis. Then you go through the CIA reading library, and you're like, oh, this – he knew about the Nazis before he died. What is this exactly? Why – what was going on here? Right. And then you also get to see that the CIA was like – they were right there, right alongside him. It's It was really, really bizarre. But – that's where you get an Operation Paperclip. It's, a, it's like I said, it's a really, really long rabbit hole. It is. But everything connects perfectly. Uh, yeah, yep, you're right. And that's the thing, too, when you start looking into it. 
And like I remember when I was doing research on uh, World War II, and I, I'm a big war person too. I like to research like World War II, the Vietnam War, and stuff like that. I've ever since I was little, I was I just find that side like I find it really interesting to research that. And I'm all. And then when I was doing research, I was so surprised. And we were also talking about this right before we came on air that I don't know if a lot of people know that a lot of the motor companies were supporting both sides of the war. Like it's really shady when you start digging into it, like at a deeper level than just what they show you at the top, right? Like we were talking about that, how like uh, one of the car manufacturers they were making, they were supplying both sides basically. Yes, sir. Uh, Ford was uh, notorious for it. Um, the Jeep company. Um, and then there was AT&T, the communications, and they were they were the ones supporting the Nazi communication systems. I believe it was U.S. military as well. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so dark when you say, well, when you start digging into stuff. And that's what I, I really like about your work is that you do start digging into the the whole case. Like and I and like I said, I found you basically through the Crowley case. And which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, that's how I found your your research. And then like you really dig into stuff. Like I mean, you got a whole timeline for the David Crowley case that you're working on and sh- proving that he there's no way that he could have done this. So I definitely want to go into that a little bit. But I just found it really like when I did find your your work, I was like, wow, you really do cover a lot of different things. Like what what made you want? Like I'm always curious about people. What have you always been like? Someone that likes to investigate stuff like this and these type of cases. Like what kind of where did you get your start and what what draws you to these type of cases is a good question I wanted to ask you. Well, uh, so there's there's a lot um, there's a lot there actually. Uh, so growing up, um, I'm not going to get into like the the sad details okay. about um, what I got into and we're not talking like Batman origin here but um <laughs> okay but we're but we're looking at um you know I just basically family life wasn't always it was it was tough growing okay. up and especially with my dad and all this so I was always trying to find something to essentially get him to notice me and acknowledge me my dad hates when I bring the story up but it's true it's just what it's exactly true, yeah. happened and so I ended up, you know, finding, okay, well, I was pretty good at figuring out, you know, basically putting puzzles together real easy. You know, um, I love puzzle games growing up. So I just, you know, I kind of just like, okay, let's keep going down this path. Let's, let's keep going down it. So there's escape rooms. There's all sorts of things like that. But right. I always enjoyed a good mystery. And so what really got me started on going down that exact route was, and I know it sounds really, really weird, but Clue. Um I would play that with my aunt all the time, and she was. It's a oh, great game, actually. Right, right, it's fantastic. But it's yep. she was able to deduce things just based on just minimal amounts of uh, uh, information. She could really. She was just great with the logic. She was able to just put it together, you know, a few things here, a few things there, and bam, there it is. She has it laid out, and I'm just sitting here like, I've only got a few pieces of evidence here. What? How did you figure this out? And she's like, Oh, yeah, just a simple elimination, you know, a little process of elimination. And so she inspired me a lot growing up and she was, uh, she worked for the Moulton County Sheriff's office, not as an officer or anything, but you know, she would, any case that got up, you know, she would hear from detective friends and things like this, you know, just getting brought up in the news. She was like on it. And so she really inspired me a lot to go and look into criminal cases and eventually end up, uh, getting involved with, uh, some activists here in Portland. Ah, uh, yeah, long story there. It's a really, really long story about those activists, but, uh, <laughs> okay. not really talking to them, but those activists, um, you know, we did a lot of homeless outreach 
um, you know, we, you know, we tried to go and get information to police. We would help the homeless a lot. And, you know, we ended up, you know, tracking down quite a few different things, uh, when it came down to some of the crime in the area in downtown Portland. So it was helpful, but I ended up getting into school to become a, hom- I wanted to go and just be a homicide detective and eventually make it to the FBI, but didn't even uh, get my degree in that. Ended up getting married, having kids and wife was not really too keen on me going down that route, knowing how right. I am. I see the right. corruption. I'm going to want to expose it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's kind of a weird path, but it's, no, I think it's cool. I, I, I think that, and it makes sense too, because you're talking about how you had like you, from a young age, you enjoy games like clue and that. Right. And I did too. I always liked um, digging into stuff like not just going from what the story is. I always like to, because I do remember when I hear about cases, like I always wanted to find out more. Like when I was looking at Jack the Ripper and JFK and stuff, I always wanted to find out more and go deeper than just the story that they present to you at on surf. I don't want to take it just for face value. I like to find my own information. So I, I totally get why you, I totally get where you're coming from when you say that. Well, but it, it, it went a little deeper than that is I was seeing a lot of corruption. Like there was this kid, uh, Larry Ma. Um, I was working with my, uh, my activist friends at this time and we were trying to really start outing a lot of these organizations that were doing some really nasty stuff. Um, uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to come out with it. Um, so the weird thing is, is when I was, uh, this activist group, um, they're all over the world. Now this group, it's very, very fringe. Um, I, quit hanging out with these guys a long time ago because of, uh, well, some of the individuals, they got a little too public with the stuff and were really just trying to go get the media attention. But there's okay. this thing called uh, the Real Life Superhero Project. And I was a part of that for a bit. And, you know, I wanted to make a difference. You know, I didn't, I wanted, um, you know, I wanted to remain anonymous as much as possible. So first I'm actually coming out, liven out myself on this album. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's, I was doing that for a while and I enjoyed it. Um, did some good work. You know, we were able to go and prevent quite a few crimes going on. Um, that was nice. It was, it was a good feeling, but it was seeing the cases that I'd be working that the police would be on. And they're, you know, they're, they're really going forward. Here's this, this is what this is, right? But then I'm finding all this evidence. I'm actually scouring the crime scene after they've already been there. They've already closed it out and I'm looking, I'm still finding things. Right. I was like, what is this here? So that got me really going down that route of, okay, well, let's look at the police themselves. Why, why are they not doing this? And so, I mean, I can verify a lot of these police officers, they will go and skim over things because they just want it cut and dry. They just want to go and get into the case, just solve it, get it out. Right. Right. Not all police officers are like this. You know, I'm sure Steven Sanziri wasn't, I'm sure. Um, but you know, a lot of police officers, they just want to just kind of get in, get the job done and go home. Right. They right. don't want to go and cause any trouble. They're just there just to go and do their job. That's it. So I get it. But some of these police officers I found in Portland were like really, really corrupt. There was, there was a local drug dealer, um, over in the Portland area that you could turn in all you wanted on him. Nothing would happen to him. So you start tracking down the police. Why aren't these guys doing anything about this? Who are right. the police that are generally his area? And now you got police literally protecting his, uh, his drug houses. Yep. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I can't do it this route. You know, I don't want to go down the route of Phoenix Jones, um, who was actively trying to go and hurt people. Um, he was doing some nasty things. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the stuff he did do was good work, and I can't even deny that. But I was involved with Zeta Man, um, which is the big thing 
um, over here in Portland. And so, you know, he ended up, you know, retiring from the, I retired just before him. And, um, I decided I want to go and still look at these cases, but I'm going to do it from a different angle. So I was like, well, let's start getting involved. Let's get these cases compiled and then we'll start bringing them to light through video content. We'll give an entertainment value to it. So that way it sticks in people's heads. So kind of go in that psychological route and just expose things. So. Right. No, that's, that's, yeah, that's really cool actually, because, and that's a great way to look at it too, is that like, and uh, like, you know, to bring it to people, like, that's what I like doing too. Like I, that's why I like interviewing people and uh, talking to them and just getting their story in that. Because I, like I've always say, if you, if people see any of my videos, I always tell people that everybody's got an interesting story and what makes it interesting is that's their unique story. And so that's really cool that you, that you said that, like you, you know, shared that with everybody and why you enjoy investigating these cases. And it's, you know, we need, I think that we do need people looking into a lot of these cases that are, that kind of get swept under the rug for sure. Because as you just said, there's a lot of police corruption. I think anybody listening and the people in the chat, you know, I don't think that's any surprise when we say stuff like that. I think pretty much everybody knows that at some level and the gentleman that you were saying, Steven Sanziri, I've interviewed him a couple of times on his book. And I've had him on the radio show here, Ultimate Prey, and what's his about the Yosemite Sightseer murders. And he gets into um, Mariposa, where there's a huge drug ring and stuff like that. And there was a lot of police covering up stuff there for a lot of the criminals. So that's why when you said that just now, it perked my ears up when you were saying that you were finding that there, you know, this drug dealer that you were just talking about, it didn't matter what happened. He just never seemed to get put in jail. Like he always kind of skated by. And that's what Steven Zanziri talks about a lot in the second interview I do with them. Right. So there's definitely corruption going on there. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> there, I with you on that one. Uh, will no problem at all. Like that I'm with you. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty terrifying to see just, I mean, at all the levels it's actually at, like, I mean, right. we're talking just small things, you know, and sometimes those small things matter to bigger cases, yeah. which is, um, you know, there, I mean, that that's pretty much a good segue right there to the David Crowley cases. We, I don't know if you would have uh, seen or heard, um, we had a caller on Greg Fernandez Jr.'s podcast. It was a live right. premiere. And we had a caller call in, and they talked about um, the drug running that's going on through Minnesota, directly through Apple Valley. Right. I remember and that, they, yep. And they believe that that's, uh, that could be tied in with the case as to why uh, things basically just kind of went the way they did, why they didn't investigate certain things, why they didn't push certain boundaries, all that. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. The David Crowley case is one that I've definitely uh, been looking into for a couple years now. And I've even interviewed, as you know, I've interviewed a lot of people that, that are looking into the case and trying to prove that David did not do this. And uh, there's definitely, like we were just saying, there's two sides to pretty much every one of these cases. There's a side that, you know, definitely says he's innocent. And there's also the side that says that he did do it and, you know, the police uh, evidence and the files prove it. So I always tell people, you know, do your own research and go and look at the files for yourself. Look at the police files. Look at the journals from David Crowley and that and then, you know, make your own decision from that. That's what I did. And I know that's what you've done. Definitely. So what, what I'm curious about is what drew you to the David Crowley case? What was your start with it and why this case? So I'd heard about the case like when it happened, but 
I didn't think much of it. I was working some other cases that were more local. Um, so I didn't really get into it. Um, I was looking more at like actual, you know, like the, the corrupt, um, people that were part of that community I was a part of, um, after I got out and I, I wanted to go and just kind of finish looking at that. But, um, my, uh, you know, years later, um, I had a buddy I was working with, uh, he basically told me, he's like, well, look, you're doing investigative Twitch streams. Why not investigate this? You know, look at this documentary. It's on Netflix. So I go watch it and it was called the gray state. And I was able to find three reasons why he didn't do it right from the video itself. You know, just that, that documentary. Right. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, there was no, we had no answer for a lot of this. You know, they kept pushing. There was two, there was two things they were pushing. It was the pack theory and then the police narrative. So they weren't really even saying this is what happened. They just basically said David did it. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, that's, that's the thing. It's like, why did he do it then? And they don't ever go over it. You know, they try to go and gloss over some things. Well, you know, the gun was here and this was here and, you know, PTSD. And it's like they kept blaming the usual talking points. Um, but for me, looking at that case, I looked at the time and I was like, okay, wait a second. So what was going on there at the time politically? Because this matters because they're, they're using political terms like right wing, um, alt right. There's, you know, gun nut, things like this. Those are, those are yep. big political talking points. And they hammered so, that in the documentary. They kept bringing that up, oh, like right. a lot during that documentary. Definitely trying to paint David with a certain brush and a certain narrative for sure. Right. And if you look at like how he aligned himself, he's a libertarian. Um, he wasn't a right winger. Um, libertarians. I mean, I'm sure you know. Um, I'm sure mo- most of your viewers probably know this too. But libertarians are like, if you look at the political compass, they're at the bottom. You know, like on that on the quadrants right there, they're the bottom half. So they're, they're all about the free market, things like this. They want, um, you know, personal liberties. They really want things focused that route, right? They want to be free. It's all about freedom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at what a right winger wants, okay, they either have the authoritarian uh, type of right winger, or you have the just really, I don't even know what the bottom right would, how I would really describe it, but it's like they're, they want freedom, but, you know, they want everything to be strictly conservative. And, you know, the thing is, you look where David Falls, he's somewhere in that bottom. I would argue that he's in the bottom right quadrant somewhere, but he's more towards the center. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's what I'm saying is when it gets into this case, it's just like he was not a right winger, you know, per se. He's, he was libertarian. He wanted to promote his film. He didn't want anybody else promoting it. Um, I mean, you can see this from his interviews. He was like, nah. I'm going to do this myself. I want it done right. And which is great about that is the documentary did a nice job really laying that out. He did things himself. You know, he was very, very much like he didn't depend on his, his friends. He really couldn't. He felt he couldn't. They go, they didn't really go over the journal. Um, the minute somebody goes over the journal, they see David did not want them to be a part of it, you know, really at all. Right. And so, that's the thing. It just really struck me as odd because, like I said, during during that whole documentary, just going over it, I was like, this doesn't add up. You know, this doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. OK, where's you know, what's the trajectory? They couldn't even they couldn't even give you the exact trajectory. They couldn't give you um, the reason why there's no blood, really. other than come out. They didn't mm-hmm. show any of this and they didn't go over the decomp fluid. They didn't go over the mold. They really didn't go over anything. They just said. This is what we're going to say, and you need to believe it. Yes. You know? Yep. 
That's so. what, and yeah, and within a very short amount of time too. I know, like within 24 hours, that they already, the media was already saying it was a murder suicide. And yes, they did look into it for a full year. I'm aware of that. Like they did look into it for a full year. They went through all his uh, hard drives. They they tried to find anything they could to make an easy case that David did this. And unfortunately, and they couldn't, as you all know, they they could they went through everything they could to try to find any reason why he would have done what they said he did. And they, the police couldn't even find, nobody could find anything to prove why he would do that. There was no motive. There was no, nothing led up to it. There was like, it was just out of the blue. So, I mean, I thought that to me was very powerful that the police, and you know, well, that they dug into that. They would, they wanted to find anything they could show to people and say, this is proves that he went and did what he said, you know, like he went crazy and did it. And there's nothing there when you start looking at it. Well, and the thing is, uh, the big the big thing there is, there's even groups now that are still trying to, you know, prove that he didn't or that he did it. And but the thing is, you don't ever really see anybody really bringing forth any solid proof. Like it's things right. that might be coincidental. Um, anybody that's done any kind of you know work on a case here in in the United States, we go off of a lot of the states go off of a um, case law, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, you got some states going English common law. I still prefer that method. But um, but when it comes to the whole process, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. That's the big thing we got to be looking at here. Yep. And all these other people are like, well, he's guilty because, you know, he did it. Well, why did he do it? And mm-hmm. the thing is, I have yet to see one person actually come up and be like, hey, yeah, he did it because A, B, and C, you know, all right. the way through C. I've, I've yet to see anybody be able to do that. Because all I have to do is bring up blood spatter. I have to bring up where's the lack of blood. I got to bring up the wall with the smears on it because that was done with two hands. Could David have done it? Technically speaking, yes, but they didn't do any, um, they didn't do any analysis on anything except for like one nuclear DNA test just to confirm it was Kamal's blood on the top part on one letter. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got to go and look at motive. They, they couldn't, I mean, you can keep going down the list. And it doesn't, they can't prove any single one of these things that David did this. You know, they can't even prove where those David's footprints. Right. So. No, I, I, and that's the thing. Like I, I, and I've always, and I've said it in all of my interviews that I do with people, I do look at this case. I try to stay very in the middle because I, I don't want to just, you know, watch a couple of videos and then run off and say, no, like I, this is exactly what I know what happened. So I do always want to, I, you know, I, I hear what people have to say, and then I kind of want to make my own conclusion. And a lot of people told me, you know, read all the police files yourself. Look at all the medical evidence. Look at the pictures. Read the journal. And I did. I I mean, I took that challenge. I was like, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to sit down and go through. And there's a lot. I always tell people, they want to listen. If you want to start going into the David Crowley case and you start looking at all the medical evidence and uh, read the autopsies that there's a lot of stuff to go through there really is and i went through it a few times and i had more questions after i read the police reports and the medical stuff than i did before i looked like before i i ever looked into it i had a few questions like you said after the documentary and a couple of things i found weird when i that i heard about the case but then i read all the reports and i got i had way more questions that put doubt in my head then before I read it. Was that kind of how you were too when you started going through all the all the evidence and the reports and that? Of course. Um, you know, it just it it was one of those things that's like, okay, I had all these questions set aside. 
And I think I had, it was like maybe 20 questions I had about the film itself. And so I started looking at everything. I started looking at the police reports and, you know, and then finds out, oh, there's a 94 page and then there's like a 480 page or whatever it is. Right. You know, and it's like, well, wait, why? Then you start going over all the information they have. And then it's like, okay, well, you're, you're saying this, you know, this and this, but we can prove that's not the case. Um, you can go over certain people's statements. I'm not going to say necessarily who, but mm-hmm. some of the people close to David, um, their statements they gave to the police. And you can see that they're literally directing the police in a specific direction, not to mention uh, the false information they're giving them. Right. You know, and then you got the medical examiner's reports. I mean, just to go and label it bluntly, you look through Kamel's, it, I believe it says it's like, back to front and then it's front to back on Mm -hmm. which way it entered. It's a little odd. Um, You know, then you've got the mold that's in the medical examiner's reports. Well, I was able to lay that out pretty clearly that, uh, yeah, no, the mold plays a key factor, especially when you don't have bugs present. Um, So they can't use forensic entomology on this because it was too cold, but they can use that for mold forensic mycology. That's all they have to use. And they can go and deduce all sorts of things, time and death, um, they can go and even look at cause of death to some degree. You know, they can look at, um, you know, how long a person's been dead, which is the big thing here. That's and yeah, that's did, another big thing that people are saying. They like some are saying three weeks, some are saying a week, and you're saying that this mold can actually help us narrow it down oh, yeah. to approximately when he. Like, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to know exactly, but it's definitely going to give it a better approx. You know. Around what time they they would have died? Yeah, I believe it's about forty eight hours is about how long. So we're going to give or take about two days, I believe. What is what it was? There's a lot. Like, there's a lot to go and wrap my head around when it comes to this and like really try to unpack. But when it comes to forensic mycology, you can get it real close. But there's there's other methods you can use to get it down even quicker to like to like a, more of an exact time. So, I mean, you know, we're looking at, like, how long would it take for the body to cool? And at what temperature is this mold going to be growing rampant? And which temperatures are going to be growing at, like, just a steady pace? And what's going to be a slow pace? You know, those are mm-hmm. things that we have to go and find out. The minute we find these things out, now we can get the, the approximate. Like, we're talking within most likely just a few hours of death. So wow, that's really, yeah. And then from what I remember, when we uh, you were telling me, when we were talking is that not only two of the bodies had mold, correct? And then one of them didn't, if I'm remembering correct. what you said. So there was, so obviously that, that's another big problem, right? If they were all murdered at the same time, you think the mold would be close to, right. on all the bodies. Why does one not have any? And I mean, I'm not a mold expert by any, I'm not playing one in real life, so I don't know. But it makes you wonder, like, well, I would think logic would tell me that if they're all murdered at the same time or very close to it, that the world would be present on all three bodies. It only makes correct. sense to me. Absolutely correct. Um, the thing is, when it comes down to it, uh, one of the reports I actually went over, they were actually able to deduce based on size of the of the mold colony. When the person died, how, you know, what temperature, I mean, all this, they were able to do so much from it. And then they were actually able to convict a person due to that. So, this should be scaring whoever is, uh, you know, whoever was, whoever did this, because, you know, I was able to deduce it had to have been Rania first. This is all based on size of the mold. We can just go off this. So Rania had to die first. 
then David, then Kamel. So for those saying pact theory, that's the only one at this point that could even have any ground. But even then, it doesn't. We we know they that doesn't have any ground, right? Um, because she didn't have any mold on her at all. So she was she hadn't been dead really all that long. Like she was going through some of these phases, but that's where you got to go and look through the decomp phases, and then you got to go and compare. Okay, where is mold going to be really coming in here? Where is that going to be a big factor? And so it's. I think that's why the temperature of the home, why the, for instance, why the back door was open, um, why the temperature was set to the temperature it was set at. So that way they could really try to go and, you know, get some control on some things. Okay. Wow. That, yeah, that, yeah, that's another thing about the case that always bothered me too is that door. And I know it wasn't open very much. It was a very small amount, but that's always bothered me. Uh, a lot of things bother me about this case. Like, and I've said it too when I've interviewed Greg on the sh- on the show here, and I've also interviewed him a few times for my YouTube channel. There's a lot of stuff with this, and I and I've always said that this is this is bad police work in my opinion at best, or it's police corruption at worst. Because, I mean, there's I don't believe that they would make this many mistakes. Just you know, not with you know they do, would just do that and just miss this much. And the more you look into the case, I just keep getting more and more questions. So I have to believe that there's the police. I believe deep down, like maybe I'm not saying that they're all in on it or something, but I believe that they they have to know that he that there's something strange with the way the evidence was collected. And there's stuff that's not tested still, which you think they would test it just to prove like there's a lot of people saying that he didn't do it. You think they would test it just to be able to throw it back in our face and say, look, we tested it all. And it proves David did it. They're not, they didn't test everything. There's so much weird about this case, Will. It just, and the more you dig into it, the more rabbit holes you go down. Like, it's one of those cases. For the most part. But the thing is, when it comes down to this case, I mean, we know that they can do good police work. Right. Um, Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Right. Yes. Yes. As, um, you know, we know this. And I'll I'll just, you know, spoil a little bit, just, just a little. Yeah, no, um, go ahead. Like, yeah, like, go ahead and just tell people because I didn't like. I found this interesting when you brought this up. I'm gonna have to look into this. So go ahead. I'll just let everybody know what Will's talking about is the Pencock case. Let yes. us know about that because this was really cool when I started looking into this and you told me about it. Right, it's the uh, same police that were on the David Crowley case. Um, I believe there was like maybe one or two that weren't, but for the most part, the investigative team, same investigative team, same police chief. This happened. Uh, November, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it was like it was November uh, in 2016. Yeah, up. November yeah. 3rd, 2016, and you said yeah. 9:45 a.m. Correct. Perfect. And so that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like that's a year later, and they were able to go through that case super smooth. Like they were, they were definitely communicating. You could see that. I mean, at every point with the David Crowley case, they weren't. There was a lot of miscommunication or. You know, just outright just, uh, okay, we're not going off of this, right? Or, yeah. oh, we're not doing this. You know, they're just they're just kind of doing their own thing, and then all of a sudden they're just going to come together at the end. Here's the information. Let's just combine it and figure out a narrative is what it looked like. So I agree. It's at, at absolute best we're looking at crappy, crappy police work, um, just terrible. Um, but at worst we're looking at absolute police corruption. Right. So, And it makes you wonder because, like you said, a year basically a year later – and that's why they call it the so people know because I'd even ask Will this the the Pencock case it's because it's on zero four nine Pencock Avenue which is in Apple Valley and you were saying that it's not even that far from the David Crowley residence 
which right. was really like that was like wow like is there are they connected or or like it just makes you wonder i mean like it's just i know there's people say it could be coincidence and sure i don't i don't personally believe in a lot of coincidences but i just find that really strange and it really makes me wonder like how did they do so like you said they did a great job on the pencock case and it, right. when you you said when you look into it, like when you looked into the Pancock case, explain to people that it made sense. Not like the Crowley case. This one actually made sense when you look at the evidence in that. Right. They were they were able to prove every single thing they were talking about. The entire narrative, you could look at it. It was provable. Um, they explain everything in detail. This is who did it. This is why, you know, more or less, this is why they did it, <laughs> you know, and this is the weapon they used. And they were able to go and get all the, the evidence right there, just confirming everything. So, I mean, it was cut and dry. It was real easy to understand. It was like, it was like reading a good book. You know, you could just right. go right through it. I'm like, wow, okay, this all makes sense now. But it's like, holy crap, why isn't the David Crowley case like this? Yes. Yeah. yeah and the then, investigative team It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, could they really learn that much? in a year on how to investigate a lot better. Like, granted, I don't think they deal with a lot of cases like this and the magnitude. Like, so, I mean, yeah, okay, maybe they don't have a lot of practice. I don't, I still don't even give it that much merit to that because they are trained for this, but could they really learn that much in a year to get that much more efficient? I just, I don't see it that way. I think it's something was up with this Crowley case, in my opinion. I, and I, you know, and I keep looking through it and I look through it and I'm always asking questions and, the evidence just is it's it's always uh it's not there to, it's not as easy and cut and dry as the the Pencock case that's for sure no. like as i was saying after the documentary which i thought was horrible the the documentary and i did watch it probably like four times and cuz i wanted to give it a chance and i think you have to watch something more than once uh to really catch everything you always miss miss stuff when you watch it only well, i think anything once so i'd like to watch things a couple times, especially when it came to this case. And uh, to say I was disappointed in the documentary is an understatement. Like to me, it, right from, like you said, they did a great job explaining at the beginning and how he wanted to go and be, you know, do his own thing. He wanted to fund it himself, make it all crowdfunded and stuff like that. But then they go, they take a hard left halfway through and they really send people down a, a path that they're trying to really push you down, in my opinion. Right. They're just trying to go and prove a political agenda is what it looked like to me. They're trying to go and use this this film as um as a way of like propaganda almost. Right. You know, um if this if this person with this ideology is in your life, you know, keep an eye on them. They're crazy, clearly. And it's like mm, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean the thing is is like if you if you listen to everything David has said throughout all of his YouTube channels, um, throughout all of his interviews, through all of his gray state stuff, you'd see, no, that's, that's not David. You can listen to some of his home videos they even had on there, which I wish we had full access to those types of videos on this. So we could actually really break down his personality a lot more. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be a lot more candid. And, um, you know, you go through his journal and it's like, you know, you see some, some darkness is there. You know, he definitely has a little darkness, but I mean, who doesn't, right? Right. Um, right. look at and as you and so I don't mean to cut you off, but you did say I've heard you say about the journal and about David, you've never said that he was perfect. Like, I mean, that's the one thing that I think even I've said, I've never said David was a perfect person, did have a lot of no. flaws. But uh, does that mean he went and killed him, his, his wife, his daughter and then himself? I mean, that's a big stretch to me. Absolutely. And that's I still I mean, I can I can prove every which way pretty much he didn't do it. Um, 
But the thing is, the only thing I cannot technically disprove at this point, did he have PTSD? Um, we can't fully, you know, um, prove. I don't even did. think he knew to be serious. Like, I mean, I think Willie right. was questioning it in his journal a little bit, but I don't, I don't, he, I don't even think he knew if he had it. I think he thought he did. And he was, and I right. mean, I could see him having it for sure, but oh, he, yeah, I don't think he was never diagnosed with it. So. Right. Right. And the thing is, is this is, this is where we start getting to his military record. Right. And you start looking at his time at Fort Hood, start looking at what they did with his stop loss. I mean, it was, it was just messed up stuff. Right. But this guy had seen some stuff, you know, if this guy was really so hateful of, of, um, uh, Muslims and Islamic folks, um, why would he have a Palestinian flag in his basement? That's, uh, that's the one point. question I have. You know, um, if he really hated these types of people, why would he, why would he have these types of things? He had more than just that in the home. Mm-hmm. But why would he have these things in his home? He wouldn't. Now, was this somebody, like, are we looking at some, what was that show? I think it's called Homeland, I think it is. Yes. Um, the one that was on the HBO, it's the, yeah, so you know what you're talking about. So yeah, Homeland. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're looking at something like that either. This isn't a guy that like he hated the the country. No, he loved America. You can tell. You know, he was an avid. Uh, gun, you know, he loved uh, he loved his guns. Mm-hmm. He loved to train people about it. You know, to some degree, he loved the military. He didn't like what the you know the the upper management, if you will, really did. His you know his superiors, what they were doing. He didn't appreciate uh, you know appreciate any of that. But you know, he also, he went through some stuff, you know, I mean, he, he saw some things, you know, he, he wanted to go on, if you look through a gray state, when they start going over his early childhood, this guy, he, I think he just wanted to be a hero, is what it was, he just really wanted to have that moment in the light, you know, he wanted to go and save some lives, he wanted to be a G.I. Joe, essentially, you know, that's mm-hmm. why he, that's what he wanted to do, he wanted to be like one of those guys, you know, he wanted to save lives, and stop the bad guys. And I think he went in the military thinking it was cut and dry. But right. if he did any due diligence prior to going in, I don't think he would have went. Right. And I mean, there's there's a lot of I would argue there's a lot of proof going through his journal and his search history because he was looking at um, what are they called the uranium the uranium rounds. I don't remember exactly the number on it, but um, they were looking at the uranium rounds and what that was doing to people, and it was poisoning people. And even if even if it didn't poison them through, you know, shooting them. Some of these bullets are getting into water supplies and things like this. And there's, there's lots and lots of stuff you can research on that too. There was all sorts of things that were going wrong with those rounds. Yep. And, you know, the thing is there was the military, our, our vets were standing up against NATO. You know, they were throwing their medals, you know, they're like, nah, yeah. we're good, you know? And David was one of those people looking at that. And I think a lot of people, when they first see, the search history, they get alarmed because he's got all these massacres on us. Well, look at the movie he's filming. <laughs> he's trying to go and perfect a scene. He exactly. wants it to feel real. He wants this to wake people up. He wants this to shock people. You know, and the thing is, um, I did a video recently. Um, I don't know if you were in the chat for that one. So I couldn't show it. It was a live reaction. Um, but I didn't want to go and get my video taken down. But I watched this video. It was an interview between um, We Are Changes, um, Sean Wright. I highly right, suggest yep. people research I've that, this, guy. So I that think. guy. Is yeah, this guy he's he's shady, and he's mentioned throughout David's journal as somebody that really he doesn't really care for, right? You know, and so you go over this interview, 
And I mean, just because you're going over this interview, you're going to go down the We Are Change rabbit hole. So that sucks to have to go through that, but there's some stuff going on there too. But you literally hear David like just saying, yeah, we're, this is an art. This is something we're trying to go and do. It's going to go and produce a shock value. End of the day, they want to make money, but they also want to produce a quality film. Yeah. So. And he did touch on, he did, and that's the thing when you look at the trailer, and I hope people in the chat and that are listening, um, if you haven't seen it, definitely go, you can find it on YouTube, it's pretty much all over YouTube, the the David Crowley, uh, a Grey State trailer, and, well, Grey State trailer, and you'll see yeah. what what he was going through, uh, yeah, you want to check Grey State trailer, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's and, a lot of topics he hit. Yeah, like he was hitting on... Uh, uh, the New World Order, and then I've heard people say, like, yeah, he was trying to just because he was watching a lot of Alex Jones, you can tell at that time and that, and so I do think that, like, was he trying to cater to that crowd to to sell his movie? Of course, but he, like you said, he wanted to make money. I have no doubt about that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you got to live, and he wanted to do this. He was a writer. He wanted to start get. He was definitely in the film, and he wanted to get into this. And he was, and I. Like the trailer that he showed, he was definitely he was wanting to expose uh, the new world order, and he was doing it in the way that he knows best, which he says in interviews. He's a, he's a filmmaker. That's how he wants to present it, and he covers a lot in that in that little bit of a trailer. It's really alarming, especially I, I think you'll agree, Will, with what's going on now. I would really like to. I wish I could hear what David would think about what's going on now, because even in the script and that, he kind of covers a virus. And stuff like that, and you, you know, martial law on the streets, and you know, it's a that trailer is really disturbing. At least it was when I saw it. And so, I mean, he was touching on a lot of topics. I think that are going on right today, basically. So, so my question for you then is, uh, have you read the scripts yet? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you got to see the difference there. Um, when it comes sure. down to the, the first script, definitely followed that trailer, right? Um, in a lot of ways, but. You could, and you're right. He was definitely catering to the Infowars crowd a lot more. Yep. You know, he goes over it, but the thing is, you see this shift. Exactly. And he, and then he goes away from that, and yep. now he's more like 9/11 Truth, yada yada yada. He's going down a different route than instead of catering to these people that are, you know, they're peddling some snake oils and things like this. I'm not saying right. Alex Jones peddles only snake oils. Don't get me wrong. I'm, but some of it for sure I can prove they're snake yeah. oil. Oh, for sure, yeah. right. Um. And we, we've talked about little bits of like, you know, uh, naturopathy and all this kind of stuff. So and natural medicines and things like that. So, I mean, I mean, we touched on one thing, really. But <laughs> um, well, yeah, but I get but what it, you're saying. Like he definitely you can and you can see it in the different scripts I read. Yeah, like I definitely I downloaded the scripts and actually printed them out because I like reading like a book. I'm, right. I'm old school. I can't help it. So I printed it out, almost blew my printer up because I didn't realize how big these scripts were. Right. But I did read them, and you're right in the in the script after the first one. There, it's not the same. He's definitely more focused in the in newer script, and he's going down. It's not the same path that that like for me. It was like the trailer didn't really even match the final script. Like it was right. two different stories in a way. Like what he was showing in that trailer, and I was kind of like when I read the last script, I was like. How is he going to sell the trailer the way it was? And then this script, they're not the same. Like, it's two different stories, basically. Like, did you get that feeling, too? Like, he was really dark in that trailer and, you know, really pushing. Like, I think a lot of people that are in that that vein of movement, like the, you know, people that are trying to expose that, they really latched onto that trailer. And I think they wanted David to be the, the tip of the spear kind of thing for their, their movements and their causes and that. And I think David 
really noticed that. And you can see in his journal where he's even says he's trying to pull away from these groups. Like he doesn't want to be part of them anymore. And he's trying to get away from them. And I'm sure you found that in your research too. Well, it's the same reason, like, for instance, like David, I wish would have done more of this going throughout his stuff. Right. Right. Um, Using the line of, you know, I'm not suicidal. I'm not homicidal. Yep. You know, you know, my, my family isn't homicidal or suicidal. So if anything happens to us or me, you know, I, I'll please investigate, you know, it's using a simple line. That's a lot of deterrence. I use that often. I'm sure you've heard me say it at least a few times. Yep. Um, and it's the thing is, is he was trying to avoid these groups because he doesn't want, I mean, he, he values his family. He wants to make a living, but he wants to expose this stuff. It's the same reason I do it. Yeah. I want to make a living off this stuff. Sure. But you know, I also want the truth exposed. I want people waking up, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and the thing is, I think that's why he was trying to pull away from some of these groups, but I think he also saw some of the corruption firsthand because like I said, with the, we are change group, we got to see there's quite a few of these corrupt individuals that kind of hijacked it. Um, that appear to have been working with uh, whether it be the U.S. government, like the whole federal system, or if they're working like state and local um, to kind of quell some things to go after some specific types of people, mm-hmm. which I would say we are changed as a little bit of both. But um, and that's just based on a few of the, the leadership in there, the, the big names. And, you know, even some of these guys now are like very big in the, the in the Patriot movement, the, the freedom movement, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sick because a lot of these people aren't catching on. A lot of these people that are just, you know, waking up, they they see these guys as, oh, this 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 guy's been into this for a while. I, I got to listen to this guy. Yeah, he might peddle some correct information, but he also peddles, you know, a few of these guys peddle directly for these routes. You know, like look at um, look at some of these uh, instances where just the feds literally are arresting each other because no real patriot is going to go down to that because they've been warned. No, mm-hmm. don't go to this because, you know, this is just literally just nothing but a fed trap. You know, right. I think everybody's seen that picture of all the guys wearing the same kind of clothes and they, get, they all have the shades on. Yeah, well, they had arrested, you know, the police there arrested <laughs> some of the feds. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's like, what? And that's the thing, too, is that all these great, like a lot of these movements start off great. And it's just like you said, like, and it's going on now. Um, they get infiltrated, right? And they right. get corrupted. And it's usually from within, you know, it's from the inside out kind of thing. And they get, they... They start off with great intentions. They want to make change. I believe, I do believe that. And I believe a lot of the people in the group still want, are, they want to make a, a positive change. But the problem is, is that as everyone knows, the government loves to corrupt everything that they can get their hands on and take over stuff. And that's what we're seeing with these groups is like you said, they're, you know, you got uh, certain characters that are going in there and corrupting it from the inside out. And that's hard to, you know, if you're not used to know, if you don't know that that happens and you're just somebody innocent walking in and trying to find some people to follow, you know, that's a dangerous path because you have to realize that they do get taken over eventually. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Um, you get to see a lot of the time, like, and I've been studying this for better part of a year now, just really looking at some of these groups and where it all starts. It starts at people they can find, right. you know, our government will find um, that have got, you know, basically they're, they've got some kind of a background where it's like kind of a nasty background or they've mm-hmm. got some kind of something they can blackmail them with. Yep. So that's what yeah, we got to talk about. We got to talk about this after the break, but I do got, I'm just going to, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do got a break coming up, Will, in a couple minutes. Sure. So let, uh, we can definitely continue this. Like just, it's a five minute break. So just, uh, just mute yourself and then I'll, we'll definitely be back in five minutes. I just want to let everyone know, uh, Definitely, as I said at the beginning, it is listener-supported, guys. So please, if you can, 
definitely make a donation if you can. Every little bit helps. Every little bit helps. It all adds up, and it lets us all continue to do this and keep this uh, all funded and going. Keeps a lot of great content, a lot of amazing uh, creators uh, and hosts on this uh, platform. I love it. A lot of great shows, a lot of great information, you know, that's not being censored and which I keep saying is getting taken away. All these other platforms, they're censoring us like crazy. They're taking down videos that they don't want you to see. So it's important to support uh, things that do let you get the truth out and talk with, you know, freedom and not worried about it getting taken down and stuff. So please support if you can, guys. And we'll be, you know, back very shortly here. We got William Rail here. And as I said, you can find him at Strange Investigations. And I, and I know he's on Twitch because that's where I watch him. So he is definitely covering a lot of different things and i'm going to have him back for the second hour and we can cover some more stuff talk about government corruption he's looked into stuff like that so we're definitely going to be touching on that stuff and it'll be a lot of great information so i'm having a great uh time will uh, having you on here i really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us oh, of course anytime man yeah it's i mean i like i said i i was really shocked when i started like talking to you and all the stuff you've looked into and I'm just like, wow, he's like, you do dig into stuff. And I think that's amazing. I, I, I start, I definitely like looking into stuff, but you, you pretty much looked into all the cool things that I look into. Jack, like I was saying, Jack the Ripper, the Vegas shootings, you've looked into BLM, like you really dug into a lot of things. So I think that's great. We can definitely talk about it right after the break, guys. I'm here with William Rail. junkie, I won't say a goddamn word. Why? They won't understand. They won't understand why we do it. They won't understand it's about the men next to you. And that's it. That's all it is. Revolution Radio. Freedomslips.com. Number one listener supported radio. The printing press for freedom at a time when freedom is needed the most. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. 
You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. I will defend myself against their tyranny. Number three is my radio broadcast. I'm squarely in front of the public all the time, and they all know what's going on. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolith and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on expanding its sphere of influence. Hello, my name is John Wayne. And I do a broadcast here at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, called The Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. Freedom and fear are at war. And folks, I assure you, we are in Defense Condition 1, Mission 1, as we journey perilously through this paradigm that we currently reside in. And I ask that you join me every Saturday, 8 to 10 p.m., Eastern Standard Time for the unofficial truth. DEFCON 1. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fan. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins, so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator, every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the gram meters. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, taking the confusion out of transmutated lunar girdle springs for four years and running. Revolution Radio, the number one listener-supported alternative media radio on the planet. All right, thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys had a good little break there. Went got yourself a coffee, did what you needed to do. I always like, I tell people I got to get up and stretch here and get back to the show. Excited to be here. We are speaking with William rail from strange investigations. And let me tell you, like I said, before the break, he covers a lot of different topics. So make sure you guys check out his uh, Twitch channel and I'll get Will uh, to tell everybody at the end where, if he has anywhere else, you can find him and start looking into some of this, uh, Amazing research that he does. Uh, before the break, we were talking about definitely the David Crowley case and, uh, you know, really talk and then talking about the Pencock case and, you know, where it all happened in Apple Valley. So a lot of great stuff there. He's doing a lot of research, uh, like I said, on the David Crowley case. He's working on a timeline and which, you know, basically Will says it is going to prove that David Crowley, there's no way he could have done this. And the timeline is his evidence. And, I mean, he's working through it. And I've seen uh, the timeline and he's working on. So 
It's amazing stuff. Will, uh, can you tell us all a little bit about the timeline that you're working on? And then I got to ask you, I'm definitely going to ask you about the Zodiac Killer after this, that what you've uh, researched and what your thoughts are on the case, because that is a case now that I'm looking into. I've interviewed a couple of people on my YouTube channel who have uh, been researching the Zodiac case, and that's another one that I'm really diving into. But how is, uh, what was the reason for the timeline? When did you start doing this for the Crowley case? And uh, what have you come up with so far by going through this timeline so closely? Oh, that's a good question. So I end up, I mean, any kind of case I'm going to look at, I like to have a timeline there. So that way we can break things down by time, right? We know what this happened, this happened, this happened. So we know order of operations basically here. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from start to finish is always a nice thing to see, right? Well, I saw that Dan Hennon actually put one together. And so I took his, I stylized it. I didn't like it on the spreadsheet. Um, so I wanted to have something that people could just go through and read. And I know it's quite the read, but it gives everything from the background. And even then, I'm still vetting some things through it. Um, I just essentially just copy and paste everything he had, put it there, and then went through and started vetting things as best as I could. And then adding information where I could add it. Oh, the big thing with it is... Um, we can, uh, you know, we're not going to be just using just this as the evidence either, because we also have the evidence log that I created a spreadsheet for. I created so that way everybody can see it all put together. You can see what ties David to this. You can see what ties Kamel to this and what ties um, Renia to all this. So you can see where everybody is like, you know what, like, for instance, medical examination reports. Um, those are all side by side. So you can see what all these things mean, um, because a lot of people, that's where it gets confusing for people is they get to look at each each piece of uh, the information that's out there individually. Though. It's all set aside from everything. So if you put everything together and you put everything so that way it makes sense, you know, in this timeline, then things become a little more clear. And that's right. what I, I would like to be able to, you know, if I'm going to look at a case, I want to be able to see everything clearly. Make, yeah, I totally agree. I, I I think that's a great way to do it, and I I wait. I never thought of doing that either. Like actually breaking down the timeline, and having it like in a like the format that you do, so you can just follow the timeline as point by point. And it really, when you see what I saw when you did start laying it all out in that and the timeline, it starts to really clear a lot of things up. And so, you, from what you've researched in your timeline, you, you're saying there's no way that David could have done this. Correct. Correct. Uh, it's absolutely impossible um, because we can, like I said, we can go over the evidence log and we can see how this is all tied in. Which ones did they test? Which ones didn't they test? Uh, you know, which ones will actually prove the narrative, which ones don't. And more often than not, I mean, like y- you could look at like what Catherine Michelle and Sophia had recently looked at, which was uh, the bullet information, the, the actual mm-hmm. weights. That's going to give you extra details, too, about is, you know, did that actually go through? The body or is this just something that just kind of went into the floor or the ceiling um can they actually definitively prove this is this person here that did this or that was affected by this right and some of the evidence they couldn't the only ones they really could were camels that's right? true yep so you look at david's could they definitively prove that was that that was the one that went through him no could they prove could they prove that with renia no they had her blood on the outside but couldn't that have just easily just rolled through some blood that was there that could have been hers, right? Easily, yep. easily, no problem. So just because it's on the outside doesn't mean that's the one that went through her because that's all they tested was outside. You'd have to test the inside material. And there was apparently no inside material for that. 
that's going to go and conclusively prove that was Rania's bullet. Right. So therefore that goes back in the whole, you know, order of deaths. So if their bullets aren't there, where are they? Great questions. That's true. I I can't argue with you. I mean, as I was saying, well, the more I looked into the case, the more questions I just kept getting and, and, my list was getting longer and longer with the questions I had. I had a few questions when I first looked into it, and then I read all the reports, like not as I was saying earlier, and I just started getting more and more questions that don't make sense. There's like the order of it doesn't make sense. They can't find a motive for it, which is a big one for me. And I mean, like I said, they looked. You can bet your you can bet your butt that they dug in and tried to find anything they could throw at people and say, look at we found out this is the motive for it, and there's just it's not there. When you look for it, it's, I mean, and the fact that they came up in the first 24 hours, and I heard the news report myself where they were saying that it, it looks like a murder-suicide. They were already playing that narrative within the first 24 hours, and that is probably the best police work I've ever seen if they could do it that quick. Like, usually you, th- you think a case like this with that many bodies and a dog going through the crime scene, you that would you think they'd be there for days looking at everything and cataloging everything. Not that quick. That's what always bothered me the most about the case. Well, when it comes down to it, I mean, it's not unheard of for police to be able to do that within 24 hours. It's not, but it doesn't. With that many bodies, like, though? <laughs> like, it's not common for, right. right. It's, it's not a common thing that you're going to be able to see that. Um, I mean, I've seen people do all sorts of things, you know, within 24 hours that the police couldn't do. Um, okay. You know, I mean, I've seen, I've seen this happen plenty of times. I mean, I was actually not to go back too far in the, you know, my past on some of these things, but like, for instance, this guy in Seattle, I got way ahead of them. They were working from, I understood weeks and weeks and weeks of trying to unmask this uh, Phoenix Jones fellow. I unmasked him after looking at it for about 24 hours. Oh, Completely really? unmasked it. Yep. And I sent it up and they did not, didn't respond. Didn't hear anything back. I called the guy directly, confronted him, scared him, scared the holy heck out of him. Right. You know, but the thing is, is it's not unheard of for, Average citizens like me and you to be able to go and get well ahead of the police and sure. figure some things out. But the thing is, it's also vice versa. Sometimes the police can just, you know, they could go into a scene and they can come in completely non-biased and come out within hours and like, nah, this is what happened. And they can prove it, which is, it's always good to see if they can actually do that. That's awesome. That's like, okay, that's good detective work. Good job. Right. On that. But it doesn't happen often. It usually takes, you know, you're, you're looking usually at weeks or months. Before they got it, like, for instance, to give another example, uh, Noah Terry over here in Portland, that took them, I think it was like a month and a half, two months, something like this. They won't even really deduce, oh, who was it, who was it that killed this kid? You know, I was actually off on it. I, I thought it was somebody else. And, you know, I wasn't being like blunt and saying, oh, it was this guy, you know, covering my butt. But, you know, I was like, oh, this, this makes sense here. Mm-hmm. You know, delving through the kid's past and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I was wrong. I was I was definitely wrong. Um, yeah. I wasn't really in the wrong direction, per se, but by person, I was wrong. Um, so, I mean, I, we're all human, but... Oh, for sure, yeah. And that's the thing I think about with the Crowley case, too, is that a lot of the people that think David is innocent, if the police actually came out with something rock solid that proved David did it, I don't know anybody that is would say that would fight that. If it was actually Thanks. solid proof... And they could back it up, and it's cut and dry. I don't think anybody would dig their heels in and say, nope, he didn't. You know, he's still – they would say that he did it. I really do believe they would. Yeah, there's something rock solid. But, I mean, that has got to be them covering all their bases, which 
a lot of cases, even now, they'll all it really takes is a case to go and make it to the court. And then people are already like, oh, well, it went to court. So obviously people already jumped that gun right now. You yeah. know, it's it goes away from the whole innocent until proven guilty. You know, um, it's vice versa. Now, now yeah. you're you walk in guilty now. And right. usually you're tried by media before you even see a courtroom, right. which is exactly. which is really scary. Like when I think about it now, like, I mean, you if you you're tried by media before you ever see a courtroom like and it right. shouldn't be that way. Right. Look at Kyle Rittenhouse, for instance. I was from day Great one. Point. Yep. You know, you look at that. This kid was just harassed. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like what right wing media is doing with this kid. They're basically they've turned him into some sort of almost like a messiah. It's like it's kind of disgusting and disturbing. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the kid, you know, he he got screwed over. You know, and this is and that was part of the reason I really, really want to make sure I had everything going right when looking at Antifa and all this. And I, it disturbed me. I got to witness this. I went down to some of the protests. Well, riots, let's call it as it is. Oh, great. Well, tell, what did you see? Because, I mean, I, I only, like, I'm like it a is. lot of other people. I saw what the media showed, and I saw a lot of what was showing on YouTube and that, too. But you were there in person. I, I'd like to know from somebody I, I who watched, was there. I, mean, I watched it. That's the thing. I stood away watching. And everything the media was hiding away from, the rioting, they called it peaceful protest. Even over yep. here in, in uh, Oregon, they were calling it peaceful protest. The police themselves, they were they were getting screwed over. And the reason being is because, and this is where it gets, it gets kind of uh, dicey on how I put this. So give me a second, but uh, yeah, we're looking at the legal system and the corruption inside of it as to why these guys are getting off on things. And when I say that, I mean, we're looking at the district attorneys and how they got in, right? We're looking at their main sponsors, if you will. So you see certain names pop up, I'll give the initials, but I'm not going to say any more than that. It's GS. Uh, anybody that's done any due diligence on this, I'm, I'm sure you you probably got it, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. that certain individual, he's got ties everywhere. And we see his name pop up on, for instance, Portland's district attorney. Heavy, heavy funder. And you got to see it in places like Hillsborough, Oregon. Heavy, heavy funder. You're seeing his name pop up all over, and it's these district attorneys that are causing the problem they're not you know people aren't being charged um if you were to see even just a minor protest somebody gets um arrested for you know because they were they're protesting against antifa for instance i've been to the patriot prayer events i've been able to see these types of things happen i've seen antifa they throw the first punch every single time right. you know um i've met some of these people they're like oh these are bad people they're white supremacists the proud boys i can tell you for a fact not all the proud boys are are bad um, I've met Tiny. Um, I don't know if he remembers me, but I've met him. Super, super nice guy. You know, I mean, granted, he's got a history on some things, and I don't agree with it. But, you know, it's, you know, it's things like this. The media likes to go and portray anybody that is even slightly just getting too close to the middle when it comes to political spectrum all the way to the right. You're you're bad. you got to be pretty left wing for them to be, oh yeah, okay, you're the media darling now. Right. You know, and this, I mean, we got to see this. This is history repeating itself from the Nazis. This is that mm -hmm. full circle here. All this, it'll go back full circle because does it, David, like I've mentioned before, does David Crowley's case connect directly to JFK? No, not directly, but it ties in with things, right? Politically, it'll tie in. There's the political hitmen, if you will, that come right. after David Crowley 
and they smear his name through um through the mud. It's it's funny because he even mentions that in his script. Um, he said something along the lines of uh, his character Daniel Nakasi. I'm gonna try and quote it as best I can. He says, uh, "Oh, what's the worst they can do? Kill me." And then John Wainick, which is the Danny August Mason character, he says, oh, is that the worst you think they can do? And what he's referring to is literally destroying somebody um, in history. You destroy yep. their historical presence. And David Crowley, that's what they've done. Now, let's go and um, fast forward to ISIS. What are they doing? They're destroying history. What, is, what did Al-Qaeda do? Destroying history. Why, why is everybody destroying all this history? Why are they going after history? It's because they want to push an agenda. And this is what we see from the communist regime um, over that was over in Russia that's in China. They're all history destroyers. And why is that so crucial? Well, then you got to look at the whole New World Order agenda. Right. And it's all about pushing their agenda, pushing their beliefs. Right. So we have the Great Reset coming up. You know, mm -hmm. that's uh, that's being pushed. Um, you guys got Trudeau up there who. Very, very big supporter of that. Oh, for and sure. Yeah, don't get me started on him. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I mean, I, oh yeah, I'm with you on that. Trudeau is uh, yeah. something else. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, cool. it's, yeah, I mean, what's going on up here? And I agree with you, too, that they are, they're destroying history. And I've always said the reason that they're destroying our history is I've always believed, in, and I heard a, another presenter say this line once. He was explaining how you, if you, People get strength from their origins and from their roots. That's where your strength comes from, is your roots and where you come from and that. So what they, this new world order is trying to do is cut off, cut us off from our roots. They're trying to rewrite history and cut us off from our history, not let us know our true history. Because once you cut somebody off from their, from their history and their origins, their roots and all of that, you own them. You can, you can feed them any narrative that you want. And you're, you own them because they're, you're like kind of stumbling around lost because you don't even know your history. You don't know basically where you came from. You don't like, I mean, and that's what they're doing. They, they are attacking history. And I've always said they're trying to rewrite history over right. time. They're trying to make people forget about a lot of things. It's really evil what these people are doing when you start looking into it. Yeah. And what's funny is I'm trying to remember the, um, the, K, uh, the, I think he was a KGB, but he was a Russian defector. Um, he spoke in the eighties about this and he said, you know, essentially you, you're going to, they're, they're going to go and come and control the, um, the agenda through the education system. That's where it's going to come in at. Yep. Reagan even said, um, communism is going to come to America, but it's going to be in the form of liberalism. Well, what do you see a lot of these liberal agendas pushing communism? Yep. Um, for an example, build back better. What does this promote? And this is the same thing that's promoted all throughout the world. I don't know if you've caught this before, but, um, I believe Trudeau had it. I, I want to say he did. I know that Boris Johnson over in the UK did. There was a few others in, in um, the European Union that pushed it. Um, there was, uh, I believe it was some South American countries. Then we, of course, have here. They pushed mm -hmm. it. It's the same line, build back better. Um, and if you look at the, the symbol they have behind it, it's this, it's Agenda 21 symbol or, you know, the Agenda 2030, uh, 2050, whatever you want to call it. I mean, right. Whichever side you're looking at, it, it's the same thing. And so that's why anybody that's going to be looking into this, they have to go and keep an open mind, but have to also understand that even the David Crowley case has got the political aspect you have to go and look at. Why are they trying to mud him up? It's because mm -hmm. he's exposing things. He exposes the Freemasons. 
um, he exposes, um, and we're talking, we're not talking like the lowly guys because I've met, I personally met lowly little Freemason guys, guys at the bottom. Nice guys. They're not like yep. that. They're not the Satan worshipers. That's what, I, that's what I try to tell people, Will. I'm like, cause when you say that, like you say, okay, there's, there's, uh, uh, evil people running the government and at the top and that then they want a blanket statement and I'm very careful with blanket statements will when I talk because you can't paint everybody with that broad stoke stroke brush like it's like and then people will say to me well I don't believe in Satanism and I you know I don't and I'm like yeah you don't believe in it but these people do Right. And they, this is their religion. They and these people are master psychologists. These higher and you don't and I like what you said earlier. You don't get into places like higher government, like prime minister, or president, whatever it is, without being bribed. Like they got dirt on you. You just don't get to that position right. unless they can control you. And I mean, these people. You may not believe in this dark agenda, uh, and you may not believe in Satanism and the dark occults and. These master psychologists, they, they own the human mind. They know through propaganda, through the media, they own everything. And just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean they don't. And that's what I – like I'm glad you said that. It's not everybody that right. works for the government. It's not every – it's not like the clerk and all of that. They're not all in on it. But the people calling the shots are the ones in on it. Right, right. And even then, some of the guys that are calling the shots, I mean what it comes down to – and I'm, I'm actually trying to go and finish breaking this down on uh, – on paper so people can see this. Oh, very cool. There, There is not just one cult involved. And, and I do say this as, as pretty much blanket statements. There are cults involved. Um, if anybody's ever looked at the Finders cult, this is directly – you can see that there is a connection to Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, for sure. Re- right. Yeah, yes, yeah, for sure. Research that. It's, you see Jeffrey Epstein right there. There's yep. a connection there. And you see the CIA connection to it. Well, that connects to the government. Well, then you got to look at, okay, where did this come from? Where did this come from? It all comes back to Operation Paperclip. It's how it really hit home here so hard is the Nazis. And I know it sounds really, really weird. It's like we're going from Freemasonry to Nazis. Oh, look at all the Nazis that were Freemasons. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) I try. I know. I've talked to younger people, Will, like, uh, like, say, in their 20s and that because I tattoo. So I meet a lot of people in their 20s and that, and I'll start talking to them about history and that. And they don't have a clue what Operation Paperclip. They have no idea what I'm talking about. They had never looked into it. And you say, well, you don't remember, like, you don't, you never, they don't teach you in school that. The, you know, after the war, they took a bunch of uh, rocket scientists and a lot of different people from Nazi Germany and brought them over to the U.S. and all of their scientists. And it's part of this. You, you break down the space program. They don't know any of it. They're not teaching it, at least not where I live. See, another thing I like to go and remind people, and this is and I'm going to go and be real cheesy and and do and take I'm going to try and quote as best I can a line from uh, I think it was Thor or is Avengers. Um, (laughs) close enough. (laughs) you you probably get where I'm going with this, but, uh, you know, magic, is just, it's a science that we may just not understand. Exactly. There there could be something more there. We just don't understand. We're not at that point yet. And the thing is, is science isn't perfect. And those that are following, you know, you know, quote and unquote, you know, following the science here, uh, you know, they're not really following the science. You know, if you follow the science, you'd know things can change and they often do. And these findings, you might have this hypothesis here and this theory, and this is all adding up and it adds up perfectly here. Maybe you miss something here. Maybe there's something else that reacts with this, and now that changes the entire dynamic in this. Maybe it only works in one instance here. And the thing is, is these people here, I mean, you're, you're 100% right when it comes down to 
they're just masters of manipulation through yep. media, politics, uh, psychology, education. Um, you know, I mean, entertainment, they manipulate. And that's, that's why we yep. get to see. I mean, that's why you hear about like all these, um, uh, songs. They have subliminal messaging. Look at the Super Bowls. Even look at those. You know, you can see there's a cult. Um, you know, things being pushed through there. There's subliminal messaging through that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they push certain products. Why do they push, push these products over these? All an agenda and it all comes down to that. They're trying to go and push this. That's why I tell people, anybody that's going to look in this, make sure to read the Georgia Guidestones. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I've asked people about that too. I've asked younger people about that. And I, I swear to God, well, they didn't even know what that was. Like right. I was like, have you ever looked into the Georgia Guidestones? And they, they're just not looking into this stuff. And I, maybe I'm just different. I guess I am different than most people because my whole life I've always liked looking into, uh, all the like different things. And I never, even from a young age, I never believed in legitimacy of government. Right. I never believed in the authority of religion. Like I went to a Catholic, as I was telling people I've told on this show, I was went to a Catholic public school and I was in trouble all the time with the priest because I would ask questions all the time that he couldn't answer and he didn't like him. And I, I get in trouble and then I would be called to the office and my parents were right. called and I had great parents that never gave me trouble for asking questions. Like they never said that was a bad thing. So I would just keep and I asked questions about all kinds of things and drove people crazy because I always wanted to learn. But I don't think they're maybe the schools aren't teaching critical thinking. I, I definitely know they're not no, teaching they're not. critical thinking because they don't know the guidestones. They didn't know they don't know about history. So I mean, how easy is it to guide these people as they get older if they've never like I mean and if they don't know their own history, they don't know history in general. Like we're in trouble. <laughs> right. Well, and the thing I always thought was hilarious is when I was back, like even in middle school and high school, it was, you know, even going through those history classes, I had one history teacher that I absolutely loved this guy. This guy, he promoted critical thinking. He Amazing. Promoted, and I, you know, it was, it was great, but you know, it's like, you know, he, I wouldn't say he was woke before it was, there was a thing called woke, but you know, he, he knew a lot of this stuff going on, you know, there was, and he would mention it in some of his like, you know, Hey, we're going to show you this. We're going to take you down a trip over here. You're not going to see in the books. You know, we're going to go and show you this movie here and what this really means. And we're going to go and do the research here. And, you know, I, I did well in the class. I did fantastic. I enjoyed the hell out of it. But a lot of the kids in the class said he had a high failure rate. Um, and essentially his class was just basically sit there and, you know, watch this stuff. But I guess a lot of the parents did not like, um, the kids going to that class, which really? was really, really odd. Yeah. And it was really odd. My parents are like, they didn't care, like whatever, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I also, I grew up in a very, very liberal home, right. very, very liberal home. They just didn't care. They're like, well, you're learning something new. Cool. All right. You know, I just go to I school. Get, yeah. And I guess that was rare. Maybe we're just like, I tell people, maybe I just had really cool parents. Like they never, I could see a lot of parents if they were getting in trouble for asking questions like that, they, you know, they'd be like really cracking down on their kid and like, why are you asking these questions and why are you not just going along to get along? And, but my parents were like, Hey, if you got questions, it's their job to answer them. And yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> you know, so my, don't my feel bad. The same thing. My yeah, don't feel exactly bad for asking. And I, and I just don't see the kids and like, and I have a lot of friends now that have children in that. And what I, what I hear is going on, like when the, with the whole mask, wearing mask now, like people, like he was telling me like that, you know, he can't, his kids can't go to school now if they're not wearing a mask. And then with the vaccines, like he was telling me like to get them to like 
they got the kids hooked so bad that their kids were having like vaccine parties where they'd all get together and it was like a group thing and it was a party and they would all go get their vaccines together. And I was like, oh boy, we're in trouble. Like, I mean, right. this, they're just, there's, I mean, they are selling this well. And I don't think people realize what we're up against. Like, I mean, we're like, and that's what I worry. And I want to kind of get your thoughts on the whole convoy in Ottawa that's going on, the Freedom sure. Convoy, and that because I, like, I just don't think that people realize what we're up against. And I, and I totally support this convoy 100% and what they're fighting for, getting rid of these mandates. Should have been done a couple years ago. I think people should have really stood up and started doing this a lot sooner. But I just worry about like it's already being like you can see even Trudeau and everything. They're they're starting to turn turn people against the truckers. And uh, just to let you know quickly how I know this is where I live. Uh, my friend went to we had like a mini convoy where I live in our town. It was probably about 150 trucks, and we went down our main street and we were going to go to City Hall. And but they went down and, you know, they went down trying to go towards our city hall. And then the counter protesters blocked the whole convoy off. And then my friend was telling me when he got back, he said there was people, young people uh, yelling at them, giving them the finger. There was people holding signs. They go go back home, Nazis and right. all of this crazy stuff. And I'm like, we are like they're really trying to sell this and turn people against these truckers and i don't think they realize that this is our stand we have to stand and support this because this is our moment i think like oh, what yeah. are your thoughts on all of this absolutely i mean you're 100 percent on that when it comes down to it like we were talking earlier about the nazis and all this um everything that the nazis have done right what they did in world war ii they're doing now the fourth reich is mm -hmm. upon us I and mean, that's directly what it is except it's not a country now it's countries it's governments um, it's groups, World Economic Forum, it's uh, the European Union, it's, you know, the United States government. This is the Fourth Reich. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and the thing is, is when the tyranny, the thing is, is they know, the, these governments know they don't have the manpower to fight back fully against the people. They don't. Um, they never will. But they do know that they can go and get some people into the brown shirts, like they did back in World War II, to go and fight this. Like my my big thing here, see, I fully support the truckers. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I wish we had that here. Um, I don't have a truck, but uh, I would definitely go and support the hell out of that. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, when it comes down to it, it's I like to go and ask people this simple question. All right. So, should somebody that is unvaxxed, should they not be able to have a job? And I've asked my family, like my, my parents, I've asked my brother, my sister, I've even asked my aunt. Majority of them, my aunt being the only one that did not answer this, said, she's like, no, if you're in vaccine, you should be able to work. Every, every single one of those other people had said, yeah, no, no, they, they shouldn't be able to work. They're a danger to the rest of us. Wow. I said, okay. So then I like to go and bring this into a personal. I said, so because I'm unvaxxed, my wife's unvaxxed, and my kids are unvaxxed. They're going to remain Me too. Me too. And right? I'm a black sheep of the family. <laughs> right. I get that. I get that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm looked at like I'm crazy all the time. And then when my stuff, you know, when I'm when I've been preaching and peddling, you know, it comes true. There's like, yeah, you weren't right. Uh, this is what's going on, actually. I'm like, all right, what? <laughs> but, um, you know, I asked them, you know, so, so should we not be able to should they not be able to go to school? Should me and my wife not be able to work? Should we not be able to go places? No, no, no that's not what we're saying. You know, we should you know, you guys shouldn't be able to lose your jobs. Well, we're in vax, though. And then they see like, oh. Crap. He walked us right. He literally laid that trap. Well, that's the trap that you're always going to get laid into. 
And, you know, I even asked the same thing. Like my sister, we got into it yesterday. She was like, um, something about like the unvax shouldn't be able to, um, to get healthcare. They, they should basically just be able to, if they get sick, they have to deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Pretty harsh. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love my sister, but you know, she, when she said that, I was like, Oh, it's like, you know, it's funny is history is repeating itself. I was like, you know, I was like, do you, do you know much about history? And she's like, you know, I don't. I'm like, well, you should probably learn because this is the type of thing the Nazis would have done. And I was like, and they did do, I was like, you know, look at, uh, you know, so I started showing off these different photos and I made sure this is my favorite thing to do is to make photos look old timey on purpose. Right. Just to go and show it to people and then just show them the real photo and just be like, no, this is when it was actually taken. And so have you seen the photos from uh, Germany about, um, you know, don't shop with the unvaxxed, the people spray yep. painting out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I like to go make those look old timey. So they're like World War II era and show those to people. <laughs> well, you no, that's a, hey, whatever works. <laughs> like, I mean, at this point, we have to find what works. Right. And the thing is, is just like David, I like to use art to go and promote this stuff to really to bring up the truth because people they're going to be like, whoa, it's really creative. You did that. But whoa, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it wakes people up. But the thing is, there's people you'll wake up temporarily like my family. I can wake them up temporarily and then they just go right back to sleep. That's what I'm I worried about. That's what I'm worried about, Will, with this whole – and I was just saying that the last couple of days talking to people with this whole trucker convoy that even if they do get everything they want and these mandates are all lifted and they get everything they want, I'm worried that people are going to go back home. They're going to think they won, and then they're going to go back to sleep and not realizing yeah. that it's going to happen again if they're not. We have to stay on the attack, and I don't mean attack in a violent way. I mean we have to keep doing what we're doing, peaceful right. protesting and pushing back against the government overreach because as history shows, at least any history that I've looked at, that once a government takes – you give a government power, they never give it back, at least not willingly. Right. Right. And we have to start – so I hope that if they, this convoy does achieve what it wants to – and I support it 100%. We can't just go home and say, we won. It's all done. Mandates are lifted. And because uh, as I keep saying, like, I always know that the, the elites and the New World Order, they're pushing for this one world government that they're 10 steps ahead of us at all times. At well, least I remember, believe that, you know. You remember, there's two sides to that, too. Is you've got multiple different groups out there, uh, two big specific ones that are actually pushing for global domination. We know this because you can go over yep. the history books. Um, the two and they admit it. Right, they admit right. it openly. <laughs> right, right. So have you ever heard of the White Dragon by chance? Yes, yes. All right, so you got these guys. They don't like the New World Order, but they push a lot of the same things, but they want to go a different route. And people don't seem to oh, – one second, one second. Yep. While we wait for Will – I mean, uh, what an amazing guest, uh, having a great time. Hope you guys are enjoying this, covering a lot of great things, you know. And I just, as I said, uh, when my friend got back to me, guys, and we were talking about um, when he went to this little mini convoy and where I live, it's not a huge town. And then to hear when he came back and he said, like, what, you know, they were really respectful, too, because he was like – he was saying that they had convoy that, you know, like I said, it was about 100, 150 trucks and cars and that, and a lot of people in the town supporting it. And they were going down the main street, making sure that traffic was still going in that. And then 
when they got to where our, our, you know, where they wanted to go, which is our city hall, they, it was the anti-protesters, you know, the people going against them that were the ones blocking the traffic, uh, making it so people couldn't go to the businesses and stuff like that. And then when he told me that there was people holding up signs telling you, say, you know, go home Nazi and giving them the finger and like running up to their cars and the trucks and yelling at them. And that's when I realized, you know, we are in trouble. <laughs> I was like, oh my, I never thought I would see that in the town I live in. And, but then in the last couple of years, guys, to be honest, there's a lot of things in this I never thought I'd see. Like, yeah, I'm sure everybody remembers, you know, the great toilet paper scare a couple of years ago where people lost their minds for toilet paper. And I didn't think that that was going to come to the town I lived in either. So, I mean, I was very naive in that way. I don't know what I was thinking, but it really made me open my eyes to how fragile everything is and how easily people who are watching the mainstream media or they get suckered into the propaganda, how quickly they, you know, they, it just consumes them and to the point where they're, they're not even thinking logically anymore. They're just reacting. And I saw the great toilet paper. I call it the great toilet paper scare where people were buying up all the toilet paper. And I actually had to go to a parking lot to a local Walmart because I wanted to see this in person. I'm like, I got to go and sit in the parking lot and just see if there's actually people coming out with buggy fulls of toilet paper. And they were. I mean, they oh, would yeah. come out. Yeah, they'd have like 50 rolls of toilet paper. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, like we're doomed. That's all. I remember saying that in the parking lot, Will. I was like, we're doomed. If right. if there's a if they're doing this over toilet paper, can you imagine if there's a food shortage? Which I do think I hope I'm wrong is going to happen. No, it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. There you go. There you go. Have Give you me your seen thoughts. The, have you? Are you on uh, TikTok by chance? I'm not, but I'm gonna go on there and check because I've had a lot of people telling me. So go ahead and tell so me there, what. There's a lot of farmers and on the, and um, truckers okay. and all sorts of other people that are involved with the food industry and there's and even then is I'm in technically in the trucking industry. Um, so you know that, right? Yeah. We've seen things come through multiple times. I've handled the same freight multiple times over, and it's not because it's like going to like you know damages or anything like this. No, no, no. It's like the same freight, and it's because oh yeah, they can't they can't take this freight or for whatever reason they you need to have an appointment. They get an appointment set. They go there. You need an appointment. You know, it's like what? But we have an appointment. There's always some reason. And so this this freight will get moved back, and so it keeps going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it doesn't happen all that often right now, but during like the big scare of that, like there was like during like the um when all the food and all this uh, all this different kinds of products were off the coast yeah. before it was getting rerouted and things like this. That's when it was like we're seeing the same freight go through over and over and over again. But these farmers, they've even been getting paid to go and burn their crop. You know how? You, yeah, I mean, it's things yeah. like this. It's just like, what the heck is going on? You're seeing people in droves, and I, I've been able to witness this here in Oregon. Um, I've been able to witness family farms that were there for generations getting bought out by um, big corporations, or they were getting rezoned. We're seeing that's a common thing through the Build Back Better program. Is there's a lot of rezoning going on? People don't seem to understand the rezoning is a big problem. Because now all of a sudden this goes from being farmland to, no, this is residential. Yep. And all of a sudden when a big corporation or Bill Gates comes by and they, they purchase it, then it goes right back to farmland. Right. And, yeah. and then they own it. People can track this, right. <laughs> and then people they own track. it. Yeah. Right. And then you got to look at all yeah, look Sorry, at go ahead. Like, oh, yeah. you gotta you got to look at all sorts of things like when it comes to um, like the truckers and stuff. They'll mention the same thing. 
Um, you know, we're, we're moving the same freight over and over and over again. Uh, there's other, there's people that work on different docks and shipyards. They've come out with videos showing, Hey, look, this freight, look when this is supposed to be delivered. I, and then they'll go through like on their handheld or through paperwork and you'll see their name pop up or other people throughout, you know, their, their service center or their shipyard. It pops up multiple times. Why is it being rehandled this much? And it's all different dates and they're showing this is, this has been here for weeks, months sometimes. Um, you know, and it's got people questioning things like, for instance, farmers, they're being told, burn your crops. We'll pay you for it. You'll get a government subsidy. You know, if you don't burn your crops, you're not getting anything, you know. Wow. So but they're also discouraging things like I don't know if you've heard about on Facebook. One of the first groups they went after for censorship is and I'll get into that in a second. There's a lot to cover on that. OK. Um, but one of the first groups to be censored were people that were canners. They were just basically canning their food. That's all they were doing because they were prepping. Preppers are being censored. For sure. And the reason that I know for a fact they want this is anybody that's done any research on Agenda 21, they don't want anybody being independent. They want everybody to be dependent on the government. Yep. So, you know, my suggestion to people is if, you know, if you haven't been stocking anything up, I know we talked about this recently. So just my take on this, learn as much as you can about everything you can on how to sustain you and your family and maybe even a few more people to throw on. So that way you can, you can have a group and then make sure they learn these things. So in case Mm -hmm. you're not there, so that way everybody is informed. Like my kids, anything I'm learning, I'm going to be teaching them. If I learn how to, you know, if I'm going to be farming, learning how to farm and, and this kind of stuff, they're going to be learning. If I'm going to be learning how to, you know, it could be just something they already know how to do. For instance, I'm teaching them, you know, I want them to be able to be self-sufficient. I don't want them to be independent or dependent on me for everything. You know, I don't, I don't want them to be dependent on their mom for everything or the government, especially not the government. Screw the government. Yeah, but, especially the government. That's what I mean. And, and no, it scares me. Well, and I'm going to be doing probably a show next week on this. So I hope you check it out is, uh, like you said, prepping. And I had talked to a lot of people and I'll ask them like kind of in conversation. You're like, oh, you know, do you prep? You know, do you have a couple months of food put aside? Do you have some, uh, like, medications if you're on medications, which I don't think a lot of people think of? Mm-hmm. And same with their animals. Like, I'm a big animal. I have a lot. I have a couple of cats, so I'm a big cat lover. So I want to make sure that I have their type of food stocked up in dry food and wet food because I don't think a lot of people even think of stockpiling for their animals because right. they're relying on us. And, Will, I don't know anybody, and I'm not. I wish I was. I wish I was lying when I say this. I don't. Everybody I talk to, none of them are are prepping. They're all like, oh, I got like a couple days, maybe a week at the most food, and they're not prepping at all. So it's definitely a problem with a lot of people. They're not thinking right. big picture. Right, and so I'm doing what I I consider to be not prepping, but and it is to some degree. I prep with knowledge. So when it comes mm-hmm. to the thing, I would say if you can't prep food, let's say for, you know, you can't afford it, you can't, you know, you don't, you know, you just don't have the time to go and do this, learn right. how to do it, right? Learn where you can go get these things in case of this type of scenario. For instance, mm-hmm. I would suggest people learn where you, where can you hunt? Where are you going to be free to hunt where there's going to be the least amount of dangers, right? Um, I know that seems kind of weird to say, but it's like if you're, if you're able to get a hold of any data on like, for instance, where, Bears like to roam around, where wolves like to roam around, where boars, things like this. If you can kind of stay free of these these uh, creatures, they're going to be a lot more dangerous. Uh, you know, you can find out where, oh, this is where uh, deer like to go and hang out. I mean, they all have their own areas. 
you know, there's, yep. there's more that goes into it, but like, you know, there's like also, well, learn where you can go get some of these types of plants, mushrooms. Um, yeah. Wild edibles. Right. You can learn, learn, you can learn about wild edibles just by on, on YouTube or Google. You can right. learn, a, like you can learn just by, if you're at home and you can't get out to the wilderness, you can learn to at least give you a better idea than not learning at all or looking right. at all. And that's the big thing is just, you know, if you can't stockpile on this stuff for whatever reason, stockpile on knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing is um, it's going to be censored. Um, we're talking very, very Fahrenheit 9. What was it? Fahrenheit 451? Fahrenheit 911 or oh. – yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah, the Bray, Ray Bradbury. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very, very much that. You know, we're we're looking at this is what's going to end up happening. We're seeing it. Um, you know, they want to censor. For crying out loud, I uh, I actually made a um, – a coof, or you know, you know what I mean by coof, right? Yep. Uh, you know the the Rona. Uh, <laughs> I made yep, a video. Yep, the Rona. Yeah, I call it the coof too. That's funny. I never heard you say that. I don't <laughs> think, and I call it the coof too. <laughs> <laughs> I watch a lot of salty cracker on YouTube, and that's all he ever refers to as the coof. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I made a video about that. Thirty-one minutes, almost thirty-two minutes long, and within fifteen minutes of me even uploading it to YouTube, they already shut it down and gave me and gave me a strike. Wow. And, uh, so I asked why, you know, I appealed it and they basically told me, well, if I'm going to go and appeal it again, well, they're going to go ahead and just get rid of my channel because I'm, I'm, I'm spreading medical uh, disinformation. The funny thing about that. Only right. Oh, there you go. Okay. You're back. Uh, yeah. The only sources I used on that. And I like to use the media against itself. So I use the CNN wall street, or was it wall street journal? I know. I know I use New York times world health organization, CDC, but at least those four. Um, I know I had a lot more sources as well. I put all my sources in my credits uh, so everybody can see that. It's crazy yep. the information I got. And I even had a video on there, um, you know, discussing mass, um, you know, directly from the World Health Organization for just a couple months prior mm-hmm. when I released it. My video was shut down for 15 minutes and it's 31 minutes long. And they tried to, you know, they were trying to say that they'd gone through the whole thing. They didn't. You know, I got. I got actual experts on there. They weren't like, you know, for me, they were just from their videos. And I gave them credit and you know, due diligence. And I brought, I put this all together and I was basically spreading medical disinformation. That's incorrect. Yep. That wasn't, I was spreading. Well, the if, same you're, yeah, if you're not, if you're not spreading their agenda word for word, YouTube is going to pull it. I guarantee it. I mean, like I was telling you at the beginning, uh, I did an interview, a great in, a video interview with Russ Tanner, and he breaks down uh, mercury poisoning, mm-hmm. and we were talking about geoengineering, and there was all stuff that was backed by facts. This was nothing, you know, far-fetched or anything like that. This is all medical stuff you can look at, and we were just talking about it, and I, and I put it up for a premiere, and within like three hours, I didn't even get to premiere it. It was yanked, and I didn't get a strike. They gave me a warning. But so I'm like, OK, I'm going to go and, you know, eventually I'm going to play it on this show here. I'm going to play the interview because it's not going to get censored. And I'm going to probably try to put it on Rumble. But like, yeah, you're right. They are pulling. And then, you know, uh, like we have a friend, Jamie, who is in Australia and he's covering the the um, the, the protesting and the convoy that in Australia and stuff like that. And he lost his first channel because even though he was just reading documents that are that you could find online, that are official documents and that they pulled, they, they flagged this channel so much and striked him so much. He lost his first channel just for saying the truth. It was just stuff that was actually, you could just look up and it was actual like from the, from the health officials and that, and they still pulled it. It's crazy. Well, it is. I mean, you can also see there's a lot of information that was even being, 
censored as much as possible, even prior to uh, to the coup. Yep. You know, yep. there was there was there was a lot of information being censored. Um, but they also, you know, the thing is, look at Sky Nine. I think it was Sky Nine News over in Australia. Mm-hmm. They were censored for a while because they were exposing what was going on. And so they ended up getting, I believe they got their channel back, if I'm not mistaken. But it was kind of, it looks like more like they're like, oh, okay, well, this, we're going to censor ourselves here. We're not going to go and push this, right? We're not going to push these, um, these talking points anymore. And which is sad because it's like, well, if you want to keep doing this, then you got to either, you're going to get with the program. You can't talk about this type of stuff or you're, you're not going to be able to talk. But the thing is, is a lot of us, you know, like I'm, you know, we're, we're finding other routes, you know, we're going to get this message out. You know, exactly. It needs to get out there. People need to wake up. Yeah, and and they really do. And I mean, and especially uh, with the whole convoy going on here, and with with Trudeau. Like I remember, I just saw recently a video with Trudeau and what he's like. And like, I mean, shame on the mainstream media for what they're doing because they're enabling all of this lies to get out there. They're the ones spreading these lies about the the protest and that. Like I couldn't believe the things that Trudeau was saying and that they were letting them report that the convoy you know that there are people that are going around the convoy are being harassed and you know they're calling these calling them racist and these calling the protesters violent and it's all lies i mean i don't know i don't know if you realize is that people are filming this on uh their social media accounts and that and they're posting it all over and especially on youtube and that and it, the agenda that the news is trying to portray these protests as is so far from the truth like it's completely opposite of what's going on in real time i've had friends that were in ottawa at these rallies and there's no nothing what they're saying nothing <laughs> like well it's just like you know going back to what we were talking earlier about antifa and all this i went to a patriot prayer rally uh downtown portland and all these people were doing they were even praying you know for antifa they mm-hmm. were praying for black lives matters and you know, for, you know, basically that they will wake up eventually and they'll smell the coffee, you know, but they were praying for them, you know, that they don't want anything bad to happen to them. You know, they were very, very nonviolent. They were like, look, we don't want any violence here. We're just having a peaceful protest here. We're just talking. You know, we're just, we've got all these talking points. We want to go get out there. There's nothing racist. There's nothing sexist, transphobic or any of this, nothing. Right. And all these Antifa members are just like, I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like Alex Jones when I'm saying this, but it's like some of them, I swear that some of them seem to be like frothy at the mouth. They were just, it was, it was weird seeing people like that, just like freaking out over, you know, just people talking, not even saying any of these talking points that they're even claiming they're talking about. The media would go and, um, and they would side with the media. The media was just like, oh yeah, no, this is what's going on here. But the thing is, is like they're calling these people fascists. Funny about that, they don't understand what a fascist is. Exactly you with the definition. That's that's why I love doing this. Is is when I went to some of these like Antifa riots and stuff right before the riots were beginning. I'm talking to some people and I'm like, hey, so I was like, so you're saying this, but do you, do you know about this? And they're like, what what is that? And so I start going over some things, and, I was, and they're like, wait, oh, that's terrible. I'm like, I'm I'm explaining your situation here. Yep. Why why aren't you putting two and two together? So you you start putting this together for them. And they're like, oh, he's a fascist. I had to leave a few times. You know, I would be there for 20 minutes, and all of a sudden I'm getting called a fascist. It's like, really? Um, I had a good friend of mine that was from that whole um, movement I was a part of, and I couldn't be friends with it anymore. In fact, two friends. It was just very hard to talk to. Well, one of them literally just – he was trying to – 
he tried to say that anybody that's following or that's doing that type of work, that it is, uh, you know, going out and trying to, you know, uh, you know like Phoenix Jones, and all these other guys, and they're, they need to support these groups because the police are really the fascists and all this, and our government's the fascists, and, and they're pushing this Antifa um, talking points without looking at the cases, without looking at the context, mm-hmm. without looking at anything. They're just like, nope, nope, these guys are right. And, um, and you know, I've, I was able to flip it on his head multiple times. He's just like, yeah, I can't talk anymore. We can't be friends. And my other friend, um, you know, I was literally, I was proving points about everything. And, you know, like we were doing comics together. Like we made, um, we made comics and we were getting ready to go and publish our first magazine. And he wanted to go and push all this, uh, um, very, very political, politicized agenda, you know, towards Antifa is good. BLM is good. All this. And, you know, that was one of our, the things I couldn't stand with him. I was like, well, let's go and just remain very non-biased. You know, we can throw maybe a little political agenda here, maybe poke a little fun, but I was like, let's leave it at a little fun. Right. Um, you know, and he, he agreed to it, but he just, he kept pushing this. And well, I think that's what I think what it is. Well, is a lot of people, the younger people, and I, I can't say younger people, a lot of people, they say these catchphrases and these words and they don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that worries me is like, we're, I keep saying we're losing our rights like so fast now. And I can tell you why we're losing rights. And if people, you can experiment doing this yourself. How people, you ask people what a right is and you know how many people will cannot tell you what the definition of a right is, which is disturbing Several. to me. It, it totally explains to me why we're losing our rights because how can anybody in this world defend Something they don't even know what it is. And a right, right, I always tell people, a right is an action that does not cause, it's such a simple answer if you look into it. A right is an action that does not cause harm to another sentient being. That's your right. Right. And you, you know how people cannot give you that answer? They have no clue when you, like, if that's how easy it is. They don't oh, even know what a right is. So, I mean, how, no wonder we're losing our rights, people. So well, fast if they don't even know what a right is. Well, I mean, look, you can look at some of these um, very, very uh, crazy agendas that are being pushed. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about what's going on here in Oregon, but um, it's no longer required for math, reading, and uh, writing for uh, to graduate. You no oh longer need that. <laughs> right. So now this this gets to that same topic here is like, well, what do they need? Well, and they they tried to say that it was a racist thing. That math is racist, reading and writing are racist. Well, how is it racist? You need that to survive. Wow. You know, if you're going to be in modern society, you have to be able to do these three things, at least two. You know, math is one of those things I guess you can kind of fudge around a little bit, but reading and writing, you got to be able to have that. Right. You right. know, and I would still argue math is just as important. Oh. I mean, I use math on everything. You've seen Yeah. That. I mean, yeah, yeah, I've seen you use math in your interviews, like, and in your presentations, but I just want to, I've only got a couple more minutes here. Will, I want to thank you for sticking through right to the end with me because I, you weren't sure if you were going to be able to. So now with a couple of minutes I have left, let everybody know where they can find you and any information that you want people to know so they can check out your research. And the floor sure. is yours for a couple of minutes. Uh, so uh, I can be found on Twitch. It's Strange Investigations. Uh, you can look me up on YouTube, uh, Rumble, BitChute, and Odyssey. Um, you can look me up through Strange Investigations, or you can just look up William Rail on YouTube. You'll find me that way. Um, it's one with a magnifying glass. And then you can also find me on TikTok as Strange Investigations, I believe Strange Investigations 1, um, where I'm posting things about the David Crowley case as well. Uh, well, very cool. I mean, yeah, that's – and definitely, guys, I strongly suggest please go check 
out the channels he mentioned. And like I said, he covers a lot more than just the David Crowley case. We kind of talked about some of it today. And uh, I just want to let you, I want to thank you so much, Will, for taking the time to come and chat with me. I, I think it was, you know, and breaking down some things and trying to help people and educate them. And you're always welcome to come back in the future. And we can talk about, you know, the other cases you've covered. We can cover prepping and all that great stuff. I mean, you're always welcome here. And I just want to let everyone know, don't forget, as I keep saying it, you know, this channel is listener supported, the station here. So please, if you can donate, please do. Every little bit helps. As we said, you know, we are losing our rights and our freedoms and they're censoring us on all the other platforms. So this is where, you know, this is the place you want to put your money and support because, you know, no censoring going on here. We can cover the topics and not have to worry about it not being, you know, available or being taken down. And that's getting rare with all these other platforms because they are definitely not letting people get their voice out there on certain topics. So, you know, thank you once again, Will. And, I mean, I want to thank everybody for once again joining me. Don't forget, I got a show Saturday nights now from 7 till 8 p.m. Studio B, Eastern Standard Time. And, you know, definitely uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's a funner show. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we talk music, movies, and all that great stuff. So, you know, thank you so much, Will, for taking the time to be here with us. Thanks for having me, man. You're very welcome, buddy. Uh, I mean, it was great. I mean, I learned so much, and uh, I, I really enjoy talking to you because you definitely dig into these cases, and I think that's really cool. I think more people should do that and start checking out, you know, definitely our history, which I we were talking about how the younger generation, I don't think, is checking their history at all anymore because, I mean, how can you not know what the Georgia Guidestones are? I was shocked when I heard that, so... Oh, it was shocking when I, I mean, when I first found out about the Georgia Guidestones, I was shocked, but... Yeah, that's another, we could do a whole show on just that. I mean, I swear to God, yeah, definitely, like, that's just crazy. But, you know, I'm going to let everybody go. Thanks for joining, and please donate if you can. Have a great day, guys, and great evening, and take care. Thank you, Will. Uh, Of course, man, anytime. Take care. Take care.
This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You oppose government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio 